Welcome to the X Show. This is your host, Tony Shu. And listener, we've got a special treat for you today. Last time we interviewed uh, Oscar Galvan, who ran a roofing company right here in Texas. Today we're interviewing his wife. But can you may, uh, please introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Dana Galvan. Excellent. Now, Dana Galvan has an amazing story uh, for us here today. She's gone through a ton of hardship in her life. She discovered that uh, one day that her mother had Alzheimer's, and she made this incredibly great decision, a courageous decision, to bring her mom into her house and to try to take care of her. Uh, how long did, were you taking care of her? Uh, basically, they were like, uh, I don't have the, the exact account, but I think uh, like 15 to 20 years. Wow, fifteen to twenty years. I mean, some of us, some of us here. I mean, that's that's more than half of our lifespans. And so, uh, Donna, like, how did this? How did this all begin for you? Oh, it begins that um, I was, um, um, you know, my mother lived close to me, and we were very close. And uh, she started uh, telling me that she was uh, forgetting while she was driving, or where to turn, or forgetting addresses, and things like that, and I noticed also that she was, like, uh, forgetting things or changing the name of the of the things, and I noticed that something was wrong. I see. So, when did you decide to come in and take, come in and do something about it? I mean, when did, when did that happen? Well, I make the decision to take her to the neurologist to have a, you know, a, a real diagnostic. And um, they they told me that she had Alzheimer's, and at that time she was 62, and um, it was shocking for me because uh, you know I didn't expect that she was having that, and uh, so they started giving her medications, and I was starting administering the medications, but she was like a still doing her life in a normal way, like maybe 89 percent. And she still could drive and things like that. But with the time, she started changing and changing. And she was she was not able to do a lot of things because I was scared that she could get lost or have an accident right. and things like that. Right. So when we're looking, so when you're looking at it, I mean, it's, you know, the, the classic cultural mindset is that the parents always take care of the kids, right? And... Now, Alzheimer's is, is such a difficult situation because it really changes that dynamic on its head. And now the ki- now the kids kind of have this responsibility of taking care of your parents, who's uh, in a in a sense kind of forgetting about themselves. Um, so as as you know, her daughter, how did you know that she needed that you needed to be the one to take care of her? Because and when did that dynamic really change for you? Well, um, uh, I made the decision myself because I love my mother very much. And as I told you before, um, we were very close. And to me, it was like, it was not, not a, I never thought about it, honestly. I just, I just knew she needed my help and I wanted to help my mother because she raised me. She took, took care of me her whole life and, and I just, I just failed to do it. And I love her and I care about her and I just wanted to, to do it. And that's how I, I began to, you know, um, 
how, de depending how the necessities were coming, I was attending the necessities, you know, every day. That's, that's what I, how I, I thought about it. So when did you take, make the decision to bring her into your family house and really take her right here? Wow, it was, it's because it's a long time ago. Um, let me try to remember. Well, what the first thing I did was, uh, to sell the house that was, was, uh, like, uh, maybe 10 blocks away from mine. And I <clears throat> sold her house and I bought a house next to me because she still wanted to have to live independent and have her own house and car and everything. That was the hard part because she really wanted to continue her life like normal. She didn't mm -hmm. accept that she, she had Alzheimer's. So it was, it was hard. And the way we, I was raised, I'm, I was raised an old fashioned way that you respect your mother and whatever she says, you do it. And it's hard for us to tell mom, you cannot do it anymore. Or you cannot drive anymore because she's going to say, you're not telling me what I'm going to do because you're my son or you're my daughter. And it was, it was a struggling in, the, in those times. And that's why the best thing to do was to move her next to my house. And then I can immediately just uh, be a steps away from her house and help her with the alarm system because she forgot the, the codes and she for when she was watching TV, the uh, cable. She was in, in channel five and then she was hearing a static or seeing a static and she says, <clears throat> the, the television is not working. So I had to go like every 10, 15 minutes to help her in a lot of uh, things. And, and she didn't uh, realize or recognize that she was having trouble. And, um, and that's how we began next to my house. And, um, and then, then we, we got to, we got to the point that, she had to live in my house and I had to take care of her. And so I, I really have all the stages of the Alzheimer's from the beginning to the end. And how did your, how did your mother feel about that? I mean, she's gradually, I, I'm sure, I wasn't, I'm not sure if she knew exactly what was going on, um, while this was happening. So how did your mom react when you were bringing her closer? Because sure, you were able to better take care of her, but it sounds like a great extent she was she wasn't really able to live that kind of independent life that it sounds like she really wanted. You know, that's a very good question too. Um, but it wasn't it wasn't hard because we were so close that she wanted to be with me, so it mm. wasn't hard. Uh, she she was happier being with me because she felt secure. At the beginning, I fight it. Honestly, I'm going to tell you the truth. I didn't accept it. I'm a doctor in Mexico. And uh, so in, in my mind, I was like, no, I'm going to fight it. And uh, so I took her to Bible class. I took her to aerobic class. I took her to English classes. I took her to different activities with friends. So I wanted her to be active. And I pay a private uh, teacher to teach her English so she can learn a new language, so she can you know make her brain work more. <clears throat> and that's how, how I, I was, as I was doing at the beginning, trying to keep track and then raising my two children because we had three, three children. My husband wasn't home because he was, uh, the work that we have is doing construction and he has to be out of the town most of the time. So I was raising my two children and I was with my mother. So it was, it was very hard for me and, more than physically, it was physically because I couldn't rest well and eat well and anything, and I forgot about my health. 
but um emotionally you you cannot accept that it's it's just a something that it's against your the clock and you're you're working against the time and and there's nothing you can do but in that moment i couldn't i couldn't uh think about it i was just thinking i will fight it and i will win i had i was so sure to do that so i continue making her doing her normal life you know between you know that's what i thought mm -hmm. but then with the time she couldn't handle it and she kept forgetting and everything. And that's, that's why, when, when I said, you know, this is the time. But at the beginning, yes, at the beginning, she was missing her house. Now that I'm talking, I'm remembering she was missing her house. And I felt so bad that I felt so bad about that because, um, because I thought I should not move my mother from there. That's the one thing that I regret because, uh, but she couldn't handle it. But at the same time, I wanted to go back and say to the persons that bought the house, you know, can you give me the house back? Because my mother says, I miss my home like a little kid. And I felt so guilty, but I knew that she couldn't stay by herself because as I was telling you, she was calling me every five minutes to fix things, to very simple things that she couldn't do because of her condition. I mean that's gotta be a that's that's an extremely hard decision. I mean you have a ton of you have a ton of strength for the for mansion to make go mm -hmm. through that. And since you brought it up, um, you know you're caring for your mom in your own house, and you're raising three kids. And it sounds like it sounds like your husband wasn't home very often in order to help out with that. So I mean managing all that, how did you manage to take care of yourself at the same time? Because you. I mean, you have to feed yourself and you have to take care of your own mental well-being while that's going through because uh, Alzheimer's, it can be, it, it, it's, it can be quite an emotional challenge to care for somebody with that, not to tack on the fact that you've got kids. It is, it is. It was hard for me because I felt lonely. I felt lonely for so many years. I felt abandoned. I felt uh, hopeless and I felt like, mm, I don't know how to explain you, but it was terrible. With the time, I, I started coping and I didn't get any help or psychological help or any help. I was trying to do it myself because I'm a doctor. <clears throat> I know how to handle it. But when you're a doctor, you're the patient. You're not the doctor. You are the patient and you really need assistance. You need help. And in my case, I thought, you know, I, I know how to handle it. And at the end, I, I could do it, but it took me 20 years to, to get it. And, and, uh, you know, I don't recommend anyone to take it by themselves. Even though you have a lot of knowledge, uh, you think you have the knowledge, but the medical knowledge is one thing. And the experience of living with the patient, with, with the person with, uh, Alzheimer's is another st different story because it involves your feelings. Involve family, like the questions are beautiful and great questions that you're doing to me. Um, and, uh, so involves a lot of things that, that you have to handle at the same time and you need someone to mm -hmm. guide you, someone expert that already have cases like this. But I thought, you know, I could handle it. Well, I mean, it sounds like you did a really good job. I mean, 20, what you took care of for, for you said 20 years with Alzheimer's. I mean, what, uh, Oh, you're the, you're the doctor. What, what's the average life expectancy with someone with Alzheimer's? 
normally normally they don't they don't last too many years because I, they ended dying with uh, uh, secondary uh, diseases mm -hmm. like uh, diabetes or you know uh, different onsets that they they will come with the disease and the lack of movement and um, they can I don't know I don't know no more than five years and especially because of the care and they, they can have bed sores and then they can have a, a like a um, uh, you say, um, like infection in, in your blood. It's a um, septic shock or something like that that can make you, uh, die of, of something else instead of the Alzheimer's. And at the end, dying because of the bed sores because they get an infection and then the kidneys and a lot of, uh, you know, conditions that comes with the, the step, you know, the life that is just being in bed because at the end, some of them ended in, in bed, and that's the case of my mother. Yeah, uh, that's. <laughs> I mean, it sounds. I mean, you should definitely be proud of yourself because it sounds to me like you're saying five years is like the typical. Uh, she survived for twenty. Yes. Under your care, and so, with no bed sores or anything. Mm -hmm. And as a as a doctor, I'm hearing that you had a lot of how should I say uh, you had a lot of personal pride about being able to take care of your mother so when so what would you say would be the point that you had to really come to understanding that you needed help that you, this wasn't something that you were able to do by yourself and you needed other people to help you with it well honestly i found that after my mother died that's the sad part but i i started to handle the situation like um i bought the equipment because sometimes I got stuck in the bathroom with my mother because when I was bathing her and then she was 180 pounds and I had to, to carry her and then we have like a little step and I couldn't put the, the chair, the bath chair to move and I was, I wasn't strong enough to pull her and, and I sometimes cry by, with my mother and trying to, to cope the situation, but, uh, I said, you know, I'm going to buy the equipment. So I bought the lift. I bought everything and I made uh, some ramps so I can, I, I organized my life in a way that to make it easier, to make it work, just me, because I knew I couldn't count with anyone. That's what I, my thoughts were. And, um, and then I said, I have to make it work and I have to learn to do it myself. And I trained myself and with the experience and with, with, uh, you know, doing the things, that's how I, I developed techniques to move my mother, to do it myself without hurting my back or hurting me and in any way. And that's, that's what I did. And that's, that's what I did continually. I hire nurses. I hire, um, um, medical assistants. I hire different people, but sadly, mm -hmm. um, they didn't, they didn't show compassion. They were just like, just doing a work or a job and and I'm very loving person and I wanted them to treat my mother like their own mother and treat her with respect not like a thing on a bed not it's uh, it's my mother the most precious person in the world and I want them to be I want them to train to treat my mother with with the respect that she deserves and I always tell people if Jesus Christ will be sleeping in that bed and will will be sick or like the condition that my mother had, would you? How would you treat him? And mm -hmm. they said they they always says, 
oh, um, oh no, no, I will treat him like, you know, with all the love and everything. And, uh, and I tell them, that's the way we should treat all the patients or all the people that are sick with the same respect. Mm, powerful stuff, powerful stuff. Uh, but it, it sounds like you were really in a, in a situation where you really felt like, like what you were referring to earlier, uh, the sense of being alone. Because mm-hmm. only you yourself were able, it, it sounded like you felt like only you were capable of really taking care of your mother in the, in the way that was best for her. Mm-hmm. And that must have been an immense, immensely stressful for you. It, I mean, it was, it was peaceful because I knew that I was doing it with love and my mother, you could see her face. You could see her face that she had, she had peace. And she had moments that you can see her, and you when you see someone with Alzheimer's, you see their face, and you see, you see inside the eyes, and you see that it, there is an emptiness there. But then there's moments, very few moments, that you can see that she's there. And when those moments were, I I used to tell my mom, Mom, I love you. I'm Dana. I love you. And then she wasn't there. So there were so those precious seconds that I could see that she was there and she could hear me. And I think in some way she always sends me until the end because you can see her face when she heard my voice that she knew that I was going to fight for her. I will going to defend her. She saw me several times when I had some nurses that they didn't know how to treat my mother and that I, I was talking to them. Hey, no, I'm going to train you. I'm going to put you in the, in the lift. And you're going to close your eyes and I'm going to move you and I'm going to sit you in the, in the reposet or in the sofa. I'm going to move you in the bed, one side to another side without caring. And then I'm going to do it in the proper way. And you, so you know the difference when you treat her. And the nurses were very, very, because at the end I ended hiring nurses. Mm-hmm. And, um, at the end they were very surprised because they told me that they didn't receive that, that, uh, training. They only received the medical training and everything, but they never put them in that position like uh, being the patient, being on the bed. And so they learned to love my mother. And and more or less at the end of the, the last year and a half, I think, or two years, I I make a team of six nurses because my mother was already with a feeding tube, was with um uh, the Alzheimer's, diabetes, high blood pressure, um, and she had, um, um, cancer. Wow. Yes. And, and a lot of, uh, things that were happening to her that she really needed assistance and medications and cleaning the feeding tube, feed her by the feeding tube. And, but the beginning, I was for years feeding by mouth, even though it took me an hour to give her a meal, but I wanted her, I didn't want to, her to be hungry. Because she was going to be with the pec tube, and I didn't want her to feel that, so I was, I was doing the effort one hour, giving her her meals and and um you know take having the patience to wait and and make uh, the food like a like a baby food, but I was I wanted to make it fresh vegetables and chicken grilled chicken so healthy food, and and then feeding her slow and give her with a straw the water so she can drink a little bit and not choke. And until the, 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 uh, medical internist doctor told me, you know, you cannot continue feeding her by mouth because it's, it's, she's gonna, 
uh, choke because she's she's not swallowing well. And they did some tests and everything, and I was still like, no, no, no. I didn't want to stop feeding my mother. That was one of the very hard steps that I had to do because I didn't want to stop feeding her. I didn't because how I will know that she's hungry or not. So mm-hmm. it was very depressing for me that step. And and um until then I was uh, she was with the feeding tube and then by mouth. So I was doing half and half just slowly slowly until then she showed me that she she's not going to cooperate eating by mouth and that's how I could cope that that step. I see. If you're just tuning in, listener, I have with me here Donna Galvan, who took care of her mother with Alzheimer's for over 20 years, including bringing her in to the family home. It's well, you were taking such good care of your mom. I'm curious what, how, how did you take care of yourself during that time? Because you're talking about all these different kind of steps and, and how much how much work it ended up being taking care of her, how much time it took, how many resources it took, a team of six nurses. I mean, that's a lot of, that's a lot of different people. That's a lot of different people. That's a lot of different stuff to manage. So how did you take care of yourself during that time period? Honestly, I didn't think about myself. I was just praying God to protect me, to give me the strength, to give me a 48-hour day, to give me a 400-year, I mean, days of year, Instead of, you know, 365, that's what I keep praying, which is not the good thing. I'm not, on, I'm not going to give that advice to anyone. And, um, that's, that's what I keep doing and, and just praying. And I didn't think about myself. It was a 24 seven, uh, work with my mother because she needed, I needed to move her every two hours, one side to another side. And a lot of things that you have to do every time you move the person and you need to lay down in bed and feel for two hours. So what what is bothering you if the blanket or anything so you know what to do and and you you protect your mother so because she cannot tell you if you leave her face down she's going to stay face down so wow. you have to do it very well and precisely and that's how it was hard but i train my nurses uh, that i'm pro- so proud of them because they they I, you know, a lot of um, nurses came and, and I had to say, I'm sorry, I'm going to pay you a month uh, ahead, but you cannot work for me anymore because I want someone who really, really do the way I want you to do it. I'm sorry. So I give them, you know, pay an advance one month mm-hmm. so they can find another job. So at the end, I make a very good team of six, nurse, six nurses that I really love them and I will love them forever because they really learn and they did a, a great team and sometimes when someone is very ill or about to die i just call them and they go and they help these people they're angels mm-hmm. i'm just telling them you're angels and they follow exactly what i what i said and with the care that the patient deserve and the person deserve and um and that's how i did i did it and what helps me honestly what helps me a lot was to start quilting Quilting helps me a lot. Mm. I bought a machine, I bought uh, crocheting things, and I, because I wanted to, to keep myself busy. I was working in the office doing, um, office work because my husband has a construction company, but it's not my field. Honestly, it's something that I, I don't enjoy. I just do it because I'm, I'm grateful for having this work, but my field is, is, uh, 
medical. So, uh, but but then I was uh, working in that that the field with my husband that we opened the company together. That's one of the things that we did. I opened the company with my husband. We, so at the same time and raising kids and with my mother. So it, everything was at the same time. And God gave me all the wisdom and all the help. I give him the glory because he never abandoned me. Never. I always yeah. ask him, don't, please don't abandon me. Be with me. Help me. Give me the strength. Give me the, the wisdom. Give me everything I need. Give me the tools. And he always gave me everything until the last moment. And I, I can, I have to tell you that he did it. He's the one that gave me the strength because I, when the moments that I felt lonely and I don't blame anyone, I just, that's the way I was feeling because I was in charge of my mother. And I just thought, um, you know, <clears throat> I, I want her to be, uh, you know, the best she can be until she died. And I promise God, I will go, I will going to do it until that happened. And I'm very, happy and grateful that I could do it until the end. But quilting and crocheting and the work, but the most important thing that helped me was quilting because I was, when you're doing quilting or you're doing a project, you fo you have to focus on that. And that makes you forget, uh, uh, I don't know how to say it in English, uh, like force you, force you to forget because mm -hmm. you have to focus. If you cannot if the project is not gonna come unless good, unless you put unless you put the stress <laughs> and the stress and toll of caring for your mother to the side, mm -hmm. uh, let's, listener, I uh, I've seen her quilting room and it's uh, quite an impressive organized area. It's a lot of machines and she's really di dive deep into this quilting, so I can see how much. So you can see how much that the quilting really helped you with that. Yes, definitely. I'm still doing it right now. I'm, it's my therapy. I don't have to take any, I never took pills for depression or anything, but my therapy is, is doing this quilting because it helps you. And also I'm, I'm worried about my memory. I, because I have that, that gene in my, in my family. And I know working your body, your mind and, and, um, and your, you know, the, your health and what you eat, it helps you now. I already lost uh, 40 pounds. Um, my, I, my, I developed diabetes and high blood pressure, but now I don't have high blood pressure. I don't have uh, diabetes. My hemoglobin A1C is 6.1, which is uh, normal. And my blood pressure is like 106.65 and uh, my weight 40 pounds less. And I'm doing uh, exercise every day. Three, three times a week in a boot camp for, for, for people 50 plus and then the rest of the day is walking 30 minutes. I'm doing a healthy diet and I'm working my mind, uh, using, doing quilting, socializing with other, other women that they're very amazing women. I have, uh, friends that are from Pentagon, mm -hmm. from NASA, from FBI, that kind of woman, <laughs> architects, uh, doctors, you, you, nurses, you have in this field because it's amazing, amazing therapy. So you're really taking the time now to care for yourself that Definitely. you weren't able to before. Uh, I'm curious. You mentioned um, before that you didn't realize that you needed help until after your mother had died. So how how was it that you ended up hiring nurses to begin with? Because it's, it's Again, with could you uh, resolve that for us? Well, that what made me do uh, hiring nurses was because one of my son was going to get married, 
and his wife was from other country and she didn't have her mom. And I, I had to be my, uh, my son's mother and my, my daughter, future daughter-in-law mother too. And I couldn't, I, I, I was, I had my mother. So I had to take care of my mother exactly the same way I was to doing, I was doing it. So I hired nurses. I trained them, trained them very well. And I had them in my phone an app with the cameras and I can see them and I can guide them while I was doing and organizing the, the wedding because in, in uh, Mexico, a wedding is something big and you, you have to put a lot of effort and take your, and I had to take the, the, the steps of her mom taking her to, to, uh, try her dress, wedding dress, taking video, you know, figure, you know, choosing everything to decorate and everything. So I, I had to, to be for my son and for my daughter-in-law too. I didn't want, I always try to think and try to balance my life, but I was thinking about everybody else, not me. I was thinking I have, uh, I'm going to do it because th that's the way you're raised. Like you have to give it all and be empty. And that's something that is wrong. Not nothing that is wrong. It's good to give, but they they don't train you to tell. You don't you don't get empty. You feel yourself, and then you can give. Mm -hmm. But you cannot be empty and and give everything because then what what are you gonna do? It's when you're on the plane. They tell you if you were a kid, you help you help yourself, and then the kid, and you're like that's. Doesn't make any sense, but it makes sense because you can think clear. The little boy is not going to think clear. So you're the one, get the help, and then you can give more help. And that's exactly <clears throat> what you should do. In, in my case, I was giving it all and, and I, I get myself empty, but God is the one that gave me the strength, but I'm not recommending anyone <laughs> to do it, you know. Right, right. <clears throat> uh, so you mentioned that your, you mentioned the rest of your family. Your just your your children were living with you at the time that you brought your mother into the house, right? Yes, correct. So, how did the rest of your family react to that? I mean, the the I'm not sure how old they were at the time. How old were they? They were like, um, I think, five, eight, and twelve. I see. So they were <clears throat> quite young when this started yes. happening. So, I mean, even as a twelve year old. A twelve-year-old might not understand what's going on right now. Suddenly, Grandma's here, and we're telling, and she's going to live here forever. And we have to take care of her now. So, how did they feel about that? What kind of impact did that have on your family? Honestly, they were so happy because they were very close to my mother. Always, always, with any any vacation and any free moment that we had when she was okay, let's go to Grandma. Let's go to Grandma. So for us was like, uh, like a gift being with, uh, with my mom. And, um, honestly, that helped them so much to be kind, to be caring, to be compassionate because they grew up with their grandmother, like in that condition. And they live all these stages, even though they were in school and everything, but they saw me not sleeping, taking care of my mother. And they were growing up seeing grandma and a lot of experience that they had. Like uh, sometimes my mother used to see on, on the mirror and she says, look, that woman is looking at me. Tell her to leave me alone. And, um, and I was telling my mom, no, there's nobody there. And then she says, 
are are you telling me that I'm a liar? And I'm like, no, mom, you're not a liar. But, and then I had to, to follow what, what she felt. And I said, woman, you need to leave my mom, leave her alone. And then she felt protected by me. And she says, thank you, daughter, that you protected me and you told her to leave me alone. So it was, you know, now I, I remember we, we enjoy remembering those things that we live with her. And my, ch- my children did the same thing because she, they were walking and they, she saw a mirror and then they said, leave my, my grandma alone. And they felt that they were protecting grandma. And sometimes when they could, they helped me to feed her slowly with my mouth, you know, like a baby. And um, they, even though when they were sad or something, they, they sat beside my mom and they hugged my mom. Grandma, I had a bad day, Grandma. And they hugged my mother. So let me tell you that even though when they have Alzheimer's, they give you a lot of strength. My mother was my, my pillar, my strength. Even for my kids, when they come, they hug my mom and they, they you know, they, they receive the comfort. Her presence was like an angel in her house. Honestly, because uh, I don't know, she radiates that at home. She she radiates peace, and even though we have to take care of her, but she was like an angel for us. And and for my kids, it, it wasn't. It was hard seeing how her, how she was deteriorating every day. That was the part that was so hard for them. They still hurt hurt them that. So how do you think that ended up impacting them? I mean, they're growing up in twelve. In the 12, 8, and 5, you know, normally kids during that time, they're not worrying about too much. Maybe some boots, some scraped ankles, some some knees, and just going through, like, the troubles of school. And uh, I'm, I'm Canadian, so I don't, so I've heard that American middle school particularly can be pretty rough. So how do you think that impacted them as they were going through the stages, having this extra responsibility of essentially caring for their own grandma? Mm-hmm. And usually most kids, most kids, well, they have grandma take care of them. They go to grandma's house and grandma bakes them cookies. Let's here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. How how do you think that impacted them having that dynamic be so different? I think it didn't affect them too much, in, in because I always try to balance life. Like as I'm telling you, I forgot about myself, but I keep balance. That you know, having the time for my husband, having the time for my kids, taking them to sports, taking them to piñatas that we had for birthdays, and and having everything, but they saw me that I was, I had the responsibility of my mother that I was going to take care of her, and when they could help me, they could come and help me, and I think it's uh, in them, it's an, a good impact in some way because. They are learning to be compassionate and to to understand this kind of disease because it could be Alzheimer's, could be any other disease, and you have to be caring and, and have empathy toward people that are sick. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's a very good lesson so they can be good citizens in the future. And when they have wives and, and kids, they can be like that and teach their children to be the same way. And um, I know it, it hurts them seeing grandma deteriorating, but... I couldn't do anything about it. It's, that's what, what happens. And what I will do and, and say to everyone that, uh, to me, it's, it's very important. We all know we're all going to die, but we can choose how to die in, in some way. Because if you take good care of yourself, you do exercise regularly, you eat healthy, you, you, you put your memory, you know, work, learning something new every day 
socializing, not forgetting about yourself and keeping a balance in your life, you can dive or anything, but not a, a long disease with a lot of, um, how you say, the effects that, that the disease or diabetes or high blood pressure can, can give you. And, um, so it's, it's very important that you, you are aware of that and balance your life. But in the, in the balance, I didn't put myself. Now my advice will be put yourself in that balance. You, you have to live your life too and, and try to do your best, but you're not perfect. You, you can do it, but don't forget about yourself because I could be ended dying before my mother. It was a miracle that I didn't. So I'm, I'm so grateful to God that he let me, you know, uh, you know, take care of my mother until her last day. Looking back on, you know, the experience of caring for your mother for so long, do you think there's anything that beyond what we've already talked about, do you think there's anything else that we would have, that you would have done differently? What I will do different is just like I'm saying, being aware that I have to take care of myself too in order to help. And I will ask for help at the beginning, not trying to do it myself. But I think it's because you, 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 it's something like, like, it's like a wave that comes to you and doesn't give you the opportunity to think clear. And you're just trying to move the water off your, your face and you're trying to, to swim up and get on the surface and trying to, to, to survive that you don't think. But, but now, I can, if I go back and I see, you have to take these steps, like, and think, stop seeing the future, what is going to happen, ask for help for the experts, that's why the experts are, and, and that's how you can organize your life, and you can have your life good, you know, as much as you can, if you, if you organize and, and equilibrate or, or balance your life in a, in a good way, it's possible. But you have to take care of everything. Yes. Includes yourself. Yourself. Yes. Right. Right. So looking at this, how did you feel when when it all when it all ended? Well, when when was the last day? uh, My mother was at the hospital, and she had all the machines. uh, You know, her the. uh, IB and all the equipment that you can ask in the hospital, the best care. And in a moment, all the machines went flatline. And when I heard all the machines, like making beep that she was, she was dying and then dead. The first, my first reaction was mad at the machines, at the equipment. And I saw that she was already, you know, dead. And I remember seeing the IV, seeing all the machines, and I I saw around everything that she had. And I just turned to 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 the sky and I just told God, God, I get it. You took my mother because you want her now. And I understand, I accept, because with all the equipment and everything, all the care that she could receive in the earth, she was having it. But still, with that, she took her. And that was the perfect way for me, because I wouldn't accept 
she, if she dies in another condition, because I will be blaming myself because what if I, what if I that, or, or what if I do this or what I didn't do that? Because I was, you know, very strict with myself and then as a, as a daughter and as a doctor. So in that moment to me, and I'm a person of faith and I, I just received the message of God, you know, that he, he needed her in heaven and that I did everything that I could do in the earth. And I'm very grateful with God that he gave me that, that closing that I felt good as a daughter that I did everything until the end and uh, as a doctor that I had her in with all the care that she could have with the best doctors and then with all that she took her away it hurts me a lot I cry a lot but inside me I I had acceptance because I I, I know I could be the opposite way like no 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 but in this case I accepted it. it was like God taking my mother very softly from out of my hands. And I trust God and I know she was going to be better than with me. And, um, and that's, that's what helps me. Then feelings of like she's in a cold, uh, freezer and thinking like that. It was so hard for me for, for, um, you know, uh, some period. And then I keep praying and praying and ask God to, to help me to accept that. But, but honestly, it was, I, I still miss my mother because she was like my mother. And at the same time, she was like my daughter because she became my daughter. I had to change her diapers and everything. So that was my, those were my last, uh, you know, my, my thoughts. And with the time, I'm feeling better because I know she's in a better place now. So how did you and your family adapt to the sudden change? I mean, suddenly, you know, one day you're, Moms, one day your mother's not here, their grandma's not here, and um, that's and you. But you still have all the equipment here. You still have all the, all the, all the vestiges of her having lived here for so long. So how did they? What was the adaption process like? How did you? How did you move on from that? Well, at the beginning, even my children, when they got in in their in her room, they cry, they cry a lot, and what I did. I changed all the the um, the stage of the furniture. I changed and and changed everything, and I just keep her pictures like a normal, and not trying to try not to to focus in in those moments because then it's gonna be devastating for us. And we all have the the same faith, and we we know she's in better place, and she's not suffering anymore, and that we did everything. I think. What give us peace, all of us, is that we did everything until the last second, and that gives you peace. You you don't feel any any guilty or anything because you give it all, and you know because you give more than that because your own health. In my case, it was me, and and uh and my kids know, and they always say, "Mom, you did everything," and I think. That gives them peace that they know I did everything for my mother. And I think that's, that's what he's been giving us peace. And I have her pictures and I have an altar with my mother there. And, um, and I pray and I just talk to her. And, uh, you know, I just see it like she's like in another house. That's the way I think she's in another house, but in the big house. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. Right. And that's a, I mean, that's a beautiful way of putting it. I mean, it can be tragic to deal with the loss of anyone, but. 
I I'd imagine that living dealing with the loss of somebody who you took care of for so long that's that's impactful. No matter where no matter no matter where you come from. What well, what I did, I'm sorry to interrupt you. What I did after that is when I, I focused on myself because one of the doctors that is as my friend, very beautiful man, he's the one that encouraged me, you need to take care of yourself because I was like one year, like kind of a, like in the limbo after I lost my mother, even though I was okay, but I wasn't doing anything for myself. So you're going for the grieving process. Yes. You spent 20 years taking care of her and now one day she's, yes. she's not there anymore. Exactly. And, and then, then is when he was calling me and texting me, you have to do a diet, you have to do exercise, you have to do this and this. And I, I started doing that. And now I'm in that point that I'm, I'm telling you that my health is back. My, my hemoglobin A1C is normal and I'm doing very well and I feel well in the four things that we have to take care of ourselves. Any person, whether somebody sick or not sick, you have to have those things uh, together working and have it like a pill, like a, you have to take a medication. Your exercise should be a medication. Your healthy eating should be your medication. Your learning, uh, New things is needs to be like a medication and your mind and socialize and balance your life needs to be like that. If you see it that way, you can do it. If you, if you, you think it's a luxury, you're in the wrong path. And that's how I took it. I'm going to do it because this is good for me. Now is it time for me? And now I'm enjoying my grandchildren. I'm enjoying my, my children. And I'm, I'm very happy and I, I'm very peaceful because I did what I could do, but I will change what I told you. Take, uh, uh, ask for help at the beginning. Don't wait. Yeah. It sounds like it, um, while it was a rewarding experience, a rewarding experience for everyone, it was also a source of immense stress and turmoil mm-hmm. for your family. Uh, besides that, do you have any other advice that you would give to somebody who suspects that they may have Alzheimer's or may suspect that somebody else in their life may have Alzheimer's? My advice will be like uh, take a, a, a professional um, advice, go and do the tests that you have to do, go with the neurologist. Tell First, you have to tell here in the United States to the primary doctor and then he can uh, canalize you to the, channel you to the the uh, neurologist and um and they can do some tests and they will tell you what is going on and you can start doing a lot of things before and you can prolong the the onset you know instead of waiting and waiting or or because you're in denial you're not paying attention and you're letting the the disease grow and it's going to be late but if you do do you do things before you can still have more years you know in good health in your memory and if you change the four steps that I'm telling you, believe me, it works and, and it, it's, it's going to help you a lot. And, and everyone, uh, uh, besides their work, they need to have, um, a hobby or something that they enjoy, not just work and routine. They have to think about themselves. Now I'm, I'm just telling you and very clear to everyone. My advice, my, my humble advice is to don't, don't, don't go to the, go to the extremes. Like, uh, you forget about your family because you're thinking only in yourself or you're giving to everything to your family and then you forget about yourself. It's a balance. Don't abandon anyone. Just 
uh, enjoy your husband, enjoy your kids, enjoy your family, enjoy your your own body, your mind. Just keep a balance. That's my advice. Well, after such a after such a heavy topic, and I appreciate you so much for sitting down and interviewing with me. Just to end on a good, just to end on a positive note. What's um? Could you tell me one of the best experiences you had with your mother during this time? I'm sorry, I didn't understand the question. Like, what would you say was be a a very uh one of the best experiences that you had during this time? Very positive experience, something that you can look back on fondly while you've been taking care of her this whole time. Good experience with my mother was like um, seeing her innocence, seeing her transparency, seeing the the best version of my mother, even though it's in her disease. You could see like an angel that you had at home. And I enjoyed my mother so much. She was like a very honest when, when they have that, that disease, they're very honest. They don't, they don't have any filter. And <clears throat> I enjoy a lot. And one, one experience that it's important. I learned to value the simplest thing in the world, like a sight. You can see the side and you can see the eyes of someone and then you cross your eyes to another side and you don't think about it. But my mother, yeah, I could see that she was, it was, nobody was inside her when she was with the disease and she had some moments that you can see that she was there. So appreciate that aside. She, she teach me that also a smile. She, she was never smiling, but sometimes she smiled and every time she smiled, once in a while, to me, was a, a party, a big party, and I enjoy a smile. Another thing, when, when she went to the number two to, to the bathroom, I make up a, a party because sometimes it was hard for, for her to, to do number two because she was not moving, even though I, I was moving her every two hours, putting her in a sofa and moving her and have a special bed and everything and medications and you name it. Uh, and it was hard. So every time she, she went to the number two, we were, you know, so happy and making a, a party because she was doing that. And we take for granted all those things. And when she swallow the food, yeah, you, you swallow your food. So swallowing, smiling, being with, you know, looking in your eyes, being the person there, showing your feelings that she's there. Those are the good things that she teach me. And I value every single thing that human being do because of my mother. So that was the positive thing. Well, thank you so much for joining us here on the X show. That was a powerful movement experience. Uh, experience. Thank you for tuning in listeners and we'll catch you next time. Thank you. <laughs>